0: Welcome to the Gathering at Adell's Sermon of the Week. This message is by Pastor Jeff Hopkins. As you listen, we pray that you will be encouraged, empowered, and enriched. Thank you. God bless. Good morning, good morning. Come on in, guys. I see some familiar faces. Some of you I haven't got to meet yet. My name is Jacob. Come on in, guys, from the lobby. We're going to get started. I I am the student pastor here. I get the, the blessing and the joy of hanging out with young people. So I would like to kind of encourage you a little bit, give you a couple of announcements as we get prepared to worship together. So, number one, Merry Christmas Eve. Thank you. Yeah, let's try it again. Merry Christmas Eve. Merry Christmas. Man, it's good to be alive. It's good to, to have all of the good food coming our way here soon. I see some people getting settled in. Awesome. So, the first thing I need to tell you thank you guys for your attention. The first thing I need to tell you is if anybody here has come today and you need prayer for anything going on in your life, physical, Uh, struggles or relational issues, anything. We have some awesome people that would love to pray for you. The Cunninghams, Gary and Mandy will be in the back. And we'll have a couple of others as well that can pray with you. We'd love to do that. The house of God is supposed to be a house of prayer. Amen? Amen. All right, the second thing is we have giving boxes in the back if you'd like to worship through giving. The third thing, after the service today, after worship... We are going to have the kids go into another area to do uh, some teaching and have some fun. So if you're new and you don't know exactly what happens with our kiddos, after worship, they're going to be heading over to have some fun. We'll dismiss them at that time. All right, so now we're going to do something called heart prep. We're going to talk a little bit to uh, get our hearts prepared to worship. And so this morning, as I was praying about what God wanted me to share, I was reminded of the purpose of our church. And as you walk in the lobby and you see the big picture with the words that say, we exist to what? Display Display and declare what? The glory of God. God. I thought about Moses in the Old Testament. And you remember when Moses was interacting with God, he said, show me your glory. Show me your glory, God. And do you remember what God said to him? He said, I'm going to cause all of my goodness to pass before you. So when Moses was saying, show me your glory, God, God's response was, I'm going to cause my goodness to pass before you. So what is the glory of God that we're displaying, that we're declaring? It's the goodness of our God. He is good, man. And there's one aspect that I felt like the Lord wanted me to point out about the goodness of God this morning, and it goes right along with what Christmas is all about for us. Raise your hand if you have ever said things out of anger that probably shouldn't have been said. Anybody with me? I know there's some Irish in here, too. We got tempers, don't we? Yeah. Has anybody done anything in your, in your life that you regretted afterwards that was emotional? That was probably the wrong choice? Yeah. We live in a messy world, and our families sometimes are messy, if we're honest. There's bitterness sometimes that grows in our hearts towards people who've wronged us. And God cares about the ones who've been sinned against and the sinner because you're both. I'm both. You've sinned against people. I have to. You've been sinned against. I have to. The glory of God, the goodness of God can be seen in the beautiful reality of Jesus stepping into the mess of this world. He could have protected his peace and stayed in heaven, right? Now, I just want to say, hey, that I understand what people are trying to say when they say protect my peace. But we're called to be peacemakers like Jesus. That doesn't mean just keeping to ourselves. But that means sometimes stepping into situations like God did for us, man. He became incarnate, put on flesh. Listen to this verse from the scripture. I love this. John chapter 1, talking about Jesus in verse 9. If you want to honor God's word with me, you can stand up if you'd like at this time, if you're able to. John chapter 1, verse 9. This is what the beautiful passages say. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own but his own did not receive him. This is the mess he's stepping into, right? Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The word, that's Jesus, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. That's a good God that says, I'm not going to abandon you to your struggles because I love you so much. I'm going to step into the mess and I'm going to find and make a way out. Isn't God good? Anybody else thankful that he didn't abandon us? Yeah. Let's pray as we get ready for worship now. We don't want to take it for granted, Father, that you love the world so much that you would give your only son, not only as a baby, but as he grows into a man, to die for us, for our sins, so we could be forgiven, not just forgiven, but restored in our relationship with you. We don't want to take it for granted, Lord. Thank you for stepping into the mess, going through the pain, not leaving us to ourself, but pursuing peace with us, God. Thank you. We remember that this season. You were good, and we worship you today. You were good, Lord. Amen.
1: In Luke chapter 2, it says, In the same region, the shepherds were staying out in the fields. Keeping watch at night over their flock. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified, but the angel said to them, Don't be afraid, for look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Today in the city of David a Savior was born for you, who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped tightly in cloth and lying in a manger. Suddenly there was a multitude of the heavenly hosts with the angel praising God and saying glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to all people he favors and when the angels had left them and returned to heaven the shepherds said to one another let's go straight to Bethlehem and see what has happened which the Lord has made known to us they hurried off and found both Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger after seeing them they reported the message that they were told about this child And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds had said to them. But Mary was treasuring up all these things in her heart and meditating on them. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all that they had seen and heard, which were just as they had been told. Jesus, today we adore you and you alone. We give you the glory and you alone. For you alone are worthy. Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If uh, the kiddos, I believe we have kids' service today. Uh, if you're first through fifth grade, you're free to line back up there at the back. Mike and Angela will be your teacher today, and I think Ben's going to be a helper of some sort. Hopefully he helps, so we'll see about that. Oh, man. Man, you guys got some haircuts this week. We're going to have to get some name tags or something if y'all are going to do this to me. <laughs> y'all, look, y'all look different. Like y'all got Snapchat filters or something. I ain't seen y'all look like this good before. Man, what a great time. What a great season it is to be able to celebrate with them. You know, uh, this is a good choice to be here today. I mean, this this is where we're supposed to be. You know, you made the right choice today. Can I say, it's a quote. It says, it's never wrong to do what is right. And you're probably missing something right now. There might be some people that are happy that you're not there, but you're missing it. And it's okay because it's never wrong to do the right thing. This is what we were created for. Jesus left the heavens to be with us. It's only right that we leave Whatever, we've, whatever we have deemed to be so important in this world, so that we can be with Him. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 1 today. I'm going to read. Uh, it's Matthew 1, 18 through 23. It should be up on the screen if I did that correctly. If I did not, don't blame Julia. Blame me. You can still voice your concerns to her, though. Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 23. It says, The birth of Jesus Christ came about this way. After his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, it was discovered before they came together that she was pregnant from the Holy Spirit. So her husband, Joseph, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her publicly, decided to divorce her. But after he had considered these things, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, Don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife because what has been conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to name him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. See, the virgin will become pregnant and give birth to a son and they will name him Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. There's a couple of different Things in the account of the birth of Jesus. If you read Matthew and if you read Luke, it doesn't mean that they contradict uh, one another. It just means that two people wrote about the same story, and there are some details that one remembers and some details that another one doesn't remember. But uh, one thing that I find interesting is one of the the words that is used in both of these, and it's an interesting word. But it says that uh, first it said that Joseph had to do this. Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid. What's conceived, and it says that he had to ponder these things. Uh, where was that? Uh, verse twenty. But after he had considered these things, it says that Mary. It says that in Luke chapter two, what I what I had just read. After the the shepherds appear, it says, but Mary was treasuring up all these things in her heart and meditating on them. It's the same word, ponder, consider and meditate because what happened is an angel appeared to Mary and told her this but she had to meditate on that she had to treasure it up she had to consider that have you has the lord ever told you something and you go man i need to consider that but most of the time, the Lord's not just like like Abram. It's like, hey, I want you to leave and leave everything that you know and go to another country. And you're like, all right, I got it, right? Most of the time, for us, even if he's like, hey, I want you to say something kindly to that stranger, you're like, oh, Lord, I need to consider that. You know, like not even like moving across country, not even like giving away all of your money. It's just something simple as being nice is when you're like, well, let me see, did the Lord say that? You know, but can you imagine, Mary, that she had to treasure up these things. Can you imagine Mary who heard, who knew how the baby was conceived? But yet she had to ponder these things. She had to treasure these things up because at some point, can you imagine? Little toddler Jesus, she had to go, Man, I wonder if he really is that. I mean, I, I know how he was conceived, I know the birth, I know the shepherds came, but I wonder if he really is that. It's the same thing that we struggle with when the Lord speaks to us. Sometimes it's not with angels and the glory of the Lord shining around them. Maybe it's a, sometimes it's a small, still whisper. But we have to take those things that the Lord is speaking to us, and we have to ponder them, we have to treasure them up, we have to consider them and go, man, Lord, I, this seems unrealistic what's about to happen, but... I'm going to consider them because I'm going to consider you to be true and you to be right, for you to be good, for you to be all-knowing and all-powerful. And so as we look at that, I thought that was an interesting, we're not, that's not even the sermon, so if, if you thought it was over, you're, you're mistaken because we're getting started now. That was a freebie. The Lord just gave that one to you. We, we've made this story of Christmas, of the birth of Jesus, almost like a, a fairy tale. I mean, have you noticed how we tell the story? Even Jeff didn't read, even though there's not a lot of kids. 1, 18 through 23, it's beautiful. Look at 24 and 25. When Joseph woke up, he did as the Lord's angel had commanded him. He married her but did not have sexual relations with her until she gave birth to a son, and he named him Jesus. You didn't go over that with your kids this morning, did you, as you're pulling out? You know, because... Because we've made it almost like a fairy tale to what was unbelievable. Just the truth of what happened is almost unbelievable. But when we leave out details because they're uncomfortable, we almost make it like, man, it was just this beautiful thing. The Holy Spirit came upon Mary and Joseph thought about divorcing her, but then he changed his mind and they got to have a nice little trip right, and go and have a baby, and they, they went, and there was no room, and so they found a cute little Airbnb that nobody else wanted. It was this quaint little place, and it was, it was perfect, and there, there were, the animals were there, right, you know, and it was a, after the birth, it's silent night, holy night, all is calm, all is bright. I don't think that's true, right? But we, we say it in such a way, right? Round yon virgin. I, some of you guys have been married, you know, and you got the wife is pregnant. And man, ladies, do you feel like, oh man, I'm just a round yon. You know, just look at me. That's not in the middle of pregnancy where you feel that. But, but we, you know, we sing away in a manger. And these are great songs. I'm not dogging them too bad. But it's like, away oh, in a manger. The stars look down where he lay. Little Lord Jesus, what? Asleep on the hay. The cattle are lowing. Poor baby awakes. I mean, it's like like we're telling this story. I mean, if the cattle are lowing and they woke up my baby, we're having steak the next night, right? Like that's what's happening, right? <laughs> but you don't wake up a sleeping baby. But in the song, it's just like, oh, it's so beautiful. The cows were lowing and, and there he was and the shepherds came. But we've turned it in. So like what happens is we lose some of those details, the importance, the, I mean, the, the, tragedy that was that Mary, not having relations with her husband, gives birth. And can you imagine the drama that came from that? It wasn't just like, a, well, Joseph considered these things and everything worked out well. <laughs> no, they, they left. And then Jesus is born and it's like, hey, you know what? Don't go back where you're from. You need to go to Egypt. Why? Because Herod's about to kill every baby boy under the age of two. I mean, it, like there's real consequences. And we look at this, and this is important today because the story of Christmas is not just this fairy tale. Look at Luke chapter 2. You don't have to flip there, but you can. I mean, most of the time the fairy tales, how, what, what's a way that a fairy tale starts? Once upon a time. How, how about this? Once upon a time, you know, there was this princess in a castle. But look, this is Luke. In those days, the decree went out from Caesar Augustus that the whole empire should be registered. Not the start of a fairy tale. This was the first registration, right, to make sure. Like, like Luke goes through here. He talks about the shepherds, right? Then he goes down there, and he talks when the eight days were completed. He, Jesus was circumcised, right? Then you have Simeon who, who praised him that was like, man, I've waited all my life to see that. I, I'm good to die now. You have Anna was a prophetess that, that witnessed it, right? Then the family returns. Like Luke writes this in such a way that it's not just this fairy tale, but it's a historical document. Like it's a historical event, And Luke almost writes it in such a way that goes, Hey, I want you to be able to go back now, prove me wrong. Because the fairy tale version can be like, I don't know if that really happened. Could all of that have happened in in one? But Luke writes it in such a way, hey, it's the first registration. Not, don't confuse it with any other one. The first registration of this. And then this happened, and this person saw, and then the shepherds came, and the angels came. And he writes it out almost to like this point of, like, prove me wrong that this did not happen. Not only that, but the birth of Jesus is existent in not just the Bible, but in hundreds of other texts that were not even, like, Christian, that weren't even Jewish. In the secular world, there is recordings of this happening. Because it's important. Because for the first time and the only time, since and the only time ever, has a God left their place to come and be with their people. It's never happened before. It will never happen again. He's the one true God. And he chose to leave heaven to come and be with us. And that's what's important today. That... God confronted or that he invaded his creation to be with us. That that God stepped into time to be with us so that he could dwell with us. Jesus, it's a fancy word, Jesus' incarnation was a demonstration of God's love, faithfulness, and desire to be with his people. No other God has ever done that. No other God will ever be able to do that. God's desire is to prove that He is faithful, that He is good, and that He wants to be close to you. He, he wanted to be with us. It wasn't enough that He was just existent and speaking. God doesn't just speak to us. He became one of us. There's a... Uh, a little village in Belgium, Uh, it's spelled G-E-E-L, I'm going to say gel, gil, if you're Belgium, please give me some grace in here today, but there's this this village called gil, and it's actually become like a a sanctuary for the mentally ill, it's a place where they accept the mentally ill as if they're just actually normal. And so what what they do is the mentally ill will go to a host home, to a foster home, and they're they're not called patients, they're called guests or or boarders. And so they come and they stay with the family. And this lady, Elaine Baxter, did a study on it uh, with homelessness here in the U.S. and mentally ill in the 70s. And she wanted to see how we in the U.S. treat the mentally ill. And she actually had herself committed to a mental institute. She faked a diagnosis to get in there, and she got out two months later, a month later, two months later, and she came away and was like, man, we've got to be able to do more. This is in 1975. It's only gotten worse since then, but in 1975, she goes, we got to do more. She heard about this village for over the last 700 years, has been welcoming in those that are mentally ill. It's actually called like the paradise for the insane, and she goes, I'm going to go and study What's happening in this village? Because something's different there. And so she goes and she studies and she talks to people and she, she sees it. And the conditions of the mentally ill begin to improve. Not, not all the time. I'm not going to paint a fairy tale picture of this story. There, there's times where it didn't work out. But for the most part, they would come and they would stay with the host family. The average time that they would spend with their host family is, was 28 and a half years. They became part of the family. It said that their their violent tendencies went down, their struggles to adapt to real world went down because they had a a family. Uh, she was talking to uh, interviewing them and she's like, "Are are they a burden?" And the lady looked at her and said, "No, it's a joy." And uh, one of the one of the guests, one of the the boarders, was talking. Uh, the host was talking about this guy that undid his buttons on his shirt every day. Every day, he would undo them, like all the string out and all that, take off all his buttons. And every night, the lady would re-sew them back on the shirt. And Elaine just says, what, what you just use like fishing line so he can't pull them off. And the, the lady replied, and she said that taking the buttons off is important to him. And she said, here's what we've learned, is that the first step is to be with them. Being with them is the first step to being able to do anything for them. Trying to change them to fit into a certain way isn't going to work, but we have to be with them. We have to accept them for who they are. And so, I mean, is, is that not the, the central theme of Christmas? God with us? The central theme of the gospel is God for us. Before God could do, before Jesus could do anything for us, He had to be with us. He had to come and walk in our shoes. He had to come and live and breathe and do all the things that we had to do. He had to experience everything that was up against us before he could do one thing for us. Yeah, he he did lots. I'm I'm not saying that, but like in the Old Testament, did lots, brought them out of slavery, did all that. But for Jesus to do what he had to do, first he had to be with us. That's why Hebrews in chapter 4 says, we, we don't have a high priest that can't sympathize with us, that doesn't know us. He was here with us. He was tempted in every way that we were tempted, yet he was without sin. You see that Jesus took on flesh and blood. He didn't just speak to us. He became one of us. Jesus is the visible expression of the invisible God. What is key here is in Matthew 1.23. It says, see, the virgin will become pregnant and give birth to a son. And they will name him Emmanuel, which is translated, God is with us. The with is before the for. He was with us so that he could be for us. Well, Romans 5.8, it says that for God to show his great love for us, for God to demonstrate his love for us, That while we were yet still sinners, that Christ, what? Died for us. Right? 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 3. It's the same concept that that Christ died for our sins. That, That Christ did these for us because he was with us. And that's crucial because that's the central theme of the Christmas message. God with us. It's not this temporary, like, God didn't, you know, and which is translated, God is with us. And then Jesus came, and he was on earth for a little bit. He died, buried, resurrected. He was, you know, made himself visible to lots of people. Then he ascended up into heaven, and that was it. God's no longer with us. No, that this was not just God coming to earth, that Jesus just came to earth as a child, and then it, it was done and over. No, but Jesus came to be with his people. He came to be with us. He came to be for us so that he could be in us. And what is central when you begin to look at that God with us, that word with is not just like, a, hey, we hang out together. With means to dwell, to take up residence. Uh, one, one of the best Christmas movies is uh, Christmas Vacation, right? Thank you. Uh it, it's similar to cousin Eddie with the RV, and you know, he, he walks out and he's like, What is that? He goes, well, That there's an RV. We don't, don't get too attached. We'll be taking it with us next month when we leave. You know, he's like, what? It's it's the same concept. Jesus goes, Hey, I'm not just gonna come dwell with you for 32 and a half years, but I'm gonna tabernacle with you. It, it's an old testament word to tabernacle with somebody. If you look at the way that the Jews set up camp as they when they were led out of slavery. And they wandered in the desert for 40 years until they came into their promised land. They they set up in such a way that the tabernacle was in the center of the camp. To say that God dwelt with his people. The, the tabernacle was a place of worship. It was a place of sacrifice. But it, it was also the place where God was. The beauty of Matthew 123 his name shall be called Emmanuel which is translated God is with us the beauty of it is is God is still with us He his promises are true they're yes and amen not only but if you look at like, like the first part of Matthew the first chapter of Matthew 123 God is with us you go to the end of the book of Matthew Matthew chapter 28 he says, go into the ends of the earth, make disciples, baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. All right, Go to the ends of the world, What? and I will what? be with you. The promise of Matthew one twenty three is the same promise of Matthew 28. It's the same promise for you and me now, that God is with us. You are not alone. You might feel alone. You might feel lonely. You might feel broken. You might feel rejected, but you're not. He says that you, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. And to prove his point, he sent his son Jesus to be with us, to dwell with us. It's important because it fulfilled the prophecies and the promises that God had spoken a long time ago. Over 700 years ago in Isaiah chapter 7, the Lord spoke. I'm going to flip there real fast. I wasn't planning on it. I would have had it marked. Marked. Isaiah chapter 7 is this promise verse 14 therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign see the virgin will conceive have a son and name him Emmanuel the The beauty of why is it important that Jesus came to dwell with us, to be with us, is because God had already spoken it over 700 years ago. And in the time period that he spoke it, we talked about it a little bit last week, is that it was great darkness, despair, and hopelessness. As they were about to be overran and overcome by a foreign country, they were going to be taken captive and hauled off, exiled from their own homeland. And what God speaks to them is, says, hey, this is going to be a sign. The virgin will give birth, have a son, will conceive, have a son, and name him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. That in the darkest time, God's promise is that God is with us. Why is it important that, that Jesus came to be with us? Because it's an expression of God's desire for intimacy, closeness, and connection. With his people. We do not worship a God that is far off. God is with us. He is for us. He is within us. That. It's important because it took this idea and picture that God is some grumpy old man. Waiting to strike us down every time we sin. That's frustrated with his creation. And said man I. It's it's one of the greatest expressions of God's love for his people is that he sent his son to come and dwell among us. The greatest gift we could receive this Christmas is the presence of God. To walk in an understanding and a mindset that he is with us and that he is within us. You might not get that new car tomorrow. You've got something better. He's within you. Uh, Did I disappoint some kids over there? Sorry. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) He took on flesh. Jesus is the physical manifestation of God. It's important because it revealed the personal side of who God is. He's not far off. He's not angry. He's not upset with us. In John 14, Jesus is preparing his disciples, right? He's like, hey, don't freak out right now, but I'm about to go somewhere. I've got to go to my father's house, and, and don't worry, there's a room there for you. I'll come back and get you. And they're like, well, where is it? He's like, don't worry, I'm, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And they said, well, we don't even know who the Father is. And he says, if you've seen me, then you've seen the Father. It's important because we need to be able to know the person of the Father is the person of Jesus Christ. Everything that you see and hear Jesus say, everything that you see that he did is the physical expression of the invisible God. The the heart of Jesus, the passion that Jesus had for his people. The woman caught in adultery, right, where where by law she should have been stoned. But Jesus' pardon of her, forgiveness of her sins is the heart of the Father. I think some people need to hear that today because I think some people think, man, I sinned and yeah, I deserve that. Yeah, I know the law says that. I I know that that's wrong. And so I deserve this. If you've seen Jesus, then you've seen the Father. The heart of the Father is grace and mercy. His anger and fear of God does not draw us to repentance. But it's the kindness. Jesus, Jesus had every right according to the law to condemn her. But he acted in grace and mercy. It's important that he came in the flesh because it provided reconciliation and redemption. You you can be reconciled to God today. There, there, There can be nothing between you and God right now if you choose to. He's done everything. He's paid the entire price. There's nothing you have to earn. We have offering boxes back there. You don't have to slip anything back in there. You don't have to like rush out and go help with the kids real fast to get reconciled to God. Everything's already been handled. And the only way that it was handled is because Jesus came and was with us so that he could die for us. Reconciliation with him is possible. There's lots of things that are going on in the world right now. And, and, man, I, I know we live in a time where it's like, Man, he's coming back soon. We better start living right. And there's books being made, like how to live, right? How to get ready for the rapture. Man, those are all fear-based. How about we just see him for who he is and fall in love with him and desire to be with him, to come back to him. You, You are as close to God as you want to be right now. Our pastor at the other campus says that a lot. You're as close to God as you want to be right now. There's nothing in the way. There's nothing that, that's preventing you from being in his presence. Except you. We now have access to God. I think Hebrews 4 will be up there on the screen. Let me flip over to that. Why is it important that Jesus came to be with us? So that we get a cat, could have access to him. Look at Hebrews 4. 14 through 16 it says therefore since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens Jesus the son of God let us hold fast to our confession for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses but one who has been tempted in every way as we are yet without sin therefore let us approach the throne of grace with boldness so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in the time of need. Why is it important that Jesus came to be with us? He sits on a throne of grace. And why does he have grace for us? Because he was with us. He was tempted in every way. Every way that you're tempted, he was tempted. Yet he was without sin. Every emotion that you will ever feel, he already felt it. Yet he did not give in. You want to talk about loneliness, desertion. Jesus was praying on the night that he was handed over to suffering and to death, and the disciples kept falling asleep. That's pretty lonely. He experienced every human emotion that you're going through today, this season, that you will ever encounter. There's grace for you in this time. It's important that he was with us because. He sits on a throne of grace. And that throne of grace was built because he was with us here. He knows everything that you're going to go through. And then it's an assurance of him being present at all times. He came to be with us so that we would know that no matter what we go through, he's with us. You're never alone, you're never deserted, you're never rejected. You're never tossed to the side. You're never made more, more or less important than anyone else. At all times, no matter what you're going through, he is with us. As I begin to just look at how, how to wrap this message up and go, man, what? So then then how do we apply that to our lives? Like this is all good, right? We get it, got it, he's with us. But How do we apply that to our lives? How how can I walk out of here tomorrow? Not tomorrow. It's not going to be that long to wrap it up. How can I walk out of here today? Man, some of y'all got got a little nervous. Like, man, I was first time guest here. I did not know that was going to happen. We're going to walk out of here today. And how are we going to live for him tomorrow? Knowing that he's present with us. The first way that, that I felt like the Lord was saying is, doesn't it change your mentality that when you encounter something, if you know that you're not alone, but yet we have to walk in an awareness that he's with us. You're not going to walk out of here today and like, yeah, the Lord is with me. You know, this is good, right? Because that, that unexpected bill is going to come due. And you're going to be like, oh, man, I'm all by myself. It's just me. I've got to figure this all out, all by myself. I got myself into this mess. I'm going to have to get myself out of this. There'll be a health issue that's going to come up and you're going to feel alone. You're going to feel like nobody else gets it. Nobody understands it. For him to be with us, we have to walk in with the awareness that we're not alone. That means, and, and uh, our pastor at the other campus, Jesse, he, he went through this phase where he, he just pretended like, man, the Holy Spirit's right there in, in his truck with him at all times. You know, he'd be like, uh, and it's even dorky for me to say it cuz I, I make fun of him too about it but you know he's like all right we go into a meeting and he'd be like all right holy spirit we got this and do like a fist bump with the holy spirit and i'm like man that's dorky got to come up with a better way to say that you know but but it's true to come up with that with that idea with the reality that he is with us at all times so many times we know that but yet we don't know that We know it in our head, but we don't know it in our heart. And it's revealed that when we come into a season of need, we begin to figure out how are we going to make this happen. Instead of going, man, Father, you're so good. I know that you have a plan for this. I know that this didn't catch you by surprise. But to genuinely walk with an acknowledgement that he's there with us. Because Jesus did all of this and he was with them all through that, but yet there's still Thousands that have rejected him. All through that, they saw all the miracles, and yet they still rejected him. They followed him all the way until he said something that was like, man, that's just a lot. And it says that many disciples deserted him. We have to walk with an awareness that he's there. One, one that, that starts, we're always going to start with this, is by reading his word, to, to begin to read his promises. To, to begin to see like the testimonies of God throughout all of human history. I, I have a note uh, on my phone that I, I keep a, a reminder of all the things that, you know, all the little ways that God has showed up. Showed up, shown up. There it is. All the ways that God has shown up. Because what happens is we forget those things. And when we encounter something new, we're like, oh man, Lord, what's going to happen? So, so I just have a note that says, oh, hey, the Lord did this on this day. I, I felt this, and then this is how he responded. It allows us to remember his goodness, and it makes us aware of his presence. But but we can't just, like, walk through life and be like, okay, if we're going to be aware of his presence, then we have to be yielding to his spirit. We, we have to actually take time and go, oh, man. Like, like it's important, the first thing of the day is to go, oh man, Lord, I yield to you today. I'm glad that I don't have to walk through all of these things today. I've got this on the job site. I've got this meeting. I've got this person I've got to talk to. I'm glad I don't have to do it by myself because you're with me. We have to begin to acknowledge that and walk in that mindset that he is with us. He's not just speaking to them when he said that, God is with us, and speaking in Matthew 1 to those people, but he's speaking that to us today. That God is with you, God is for you, and that God is in you. The the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in us. But if we walk in a life that ignores that, that doesn't acknowledge it, then we have the greatest gift that stays wrapped up all year long. We never get to experience His goodness. We never get to experience His power if we don't actually take the time to unwrap it and acknowledge it and live a life that honors Him and glorifies Him. I'm going to pray real fast and then we'll get dismissed. Father, we just love you today. Thank you that you are with us, that we're not alone, we're not abandoned. but that you're with us. Thank you that what you did for us by dying on the cross. And thank you that you are in us. Father, may, when we walk out of this place today, Father, may we give you glory in all of our words, and all of our times with our family. Father, may you be glorified. May we make you the focus of this season, of this time. May we not lose sight of who you are. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. I wanted to let you guys out a little early today because we have Christmas Eve service tonight at 5. The hope is that I see all of y'all back here tonight. (laughs) Y'all have a good day. Be blessed. Go grab your kiddos.